really, this is going to be the key. And this is going to be honestly what is missing of most programs and what you don't see a lot of out there, which is actually strengthening and loading the tendon as well as working, meaning strengthening your surrounding musculature. So here's the question, how do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, running coach, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy, where we help active adults be able to run without aches and pains so you can feel good about yourself again. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 89 on the Healthy Runner Podcast. And I am super excited to share how you can tell if you have posterior tibial tendonitis and how you can get rid of it so you can keep doing what you love and running. So I want to know, do you get sharp or achy pain on the inside of your ankle or foot? Have you had visible inflammation, so some swelling or a popping sensation, and now your ankle just feels stiff? You may have been running through the pain recently, and you might be scared to go to a doctor because you don't want them to tell you to stop running. Does this sound familiar, anyone? Have you tried rest, ice, not training for the actual race that you want to run because of this pain? So in this episode, I'm going to share with you all I have learned about this condition through my experience of being a sports physical therapist who specializes in orthopedics and running. And I have also had this condition myself when I started running. So for those of you who are new to our community um, and you're not sure what we're talking about, what we're doing. Right now, we are actually doing a live podcast interview um, where I'm just really going solo by myself within the Healthy Runner Facebook group. Before we get into um, this episode, can I just share with you guys um, just my little post-race reflection? So yesterday, I ran the Surftown Half Marathon in Westerly, Rhode Island, so Misquamacate area. It's a great place. The family and I at least go once a summer to go for a couple of days up there. San Castellan, right on the beach. Um, nice little cozy spot. And we just love that town. And I've went for many runs in that town every year when we go up there. And I've run around to Watch Hill, checked out like T. Swift's house, right? Like ran all the way over in that area. And yesterday was the first time I did a race. So there. So this was the Surf Town uh, Half Marathon, and I just need to show off the bling here for those watching the video version of this. Um, really, really cool metal. So it's actually a little heavy. It doesn't look heavy, but it is. Uh, really cool metal. Um, had a great kind of racecation. Uh, I went for the weekend, actually. The family actually couldn't come because my daughter's volleyball. Uh, so I was going up there solo, and then Coach Lou uh, met me up there, and we had a great time uh, just kind of talking, of course, all running related stuff uh, most of the time. And uh, we had a blast and it was a great race. Um, the race itself, the course is gorgeous, 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 um, beautiful course. In case you've never run it before, the conditions were definitely not ideal for those that ran the race. You guys would know what I'm talking about. Um, it was definitely a little hotter than it you know, ideally should be for a half marathon. So it was like mid seventies and then dew point was definitely higher as well. So it was like mid sixties. This was like 65 for a dew point. And then the hardest thing, honestly, I think the most challenging thing was the fact that, uh, the headwind, um, there was a 50 mile an hour headwind that was pretty much for two straight miles as you're going down Atlantic Avenue. And it really caused you to actually work a lot harder than you should have because it was like a very slow, slow incline for literally like two straight miles, just uphill. But it was, a, it was a low incline. It wasn't like a hill we were running up. But the wind made it so much harder and definitely gave me an appreciation for running conditions, right? And so 
this is kind of a little sidebar from today's topic, but for the race that you guys have coming up on your calendar, um, a lot of people are running races in September, October, and even November, um, depending upon where you are in the country. If you're running your race, remember, like, yes, you're putting in the training. And as Coach Lou says, that's like 90% of the work is the training and everything that you're doing to prepare for it. But there's that 10%, which is the race conditions. And usually, you know, weather is going to dictate if you didn't have good nutrition, hydration, you know, GI upset that can dictate it as well and change how you perform on race day. So for me, I had the nutrition down, the hydration down, like I made sure I did my usual routine. I kind of pretty much got that down to a science now, but the weather conditions were super hard. So this was actually the hardest half marathon that I've done in over two years, um, in terms of like really pushing myself. And I definitely wouldn't have been able to push myself as hard as I did. Um, if it wasn't for coach Lou being there with me and actually encouraging me and kind of pacing me throughout this whole race. So I, uh, give him a shout out here on the podcast and thank him, uh, for doing that. But it was tough. Like everything kind of caught up to you, uh, the wind, the humidity. So just keep that in mind for your race. And, you know, Definitely. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like I had a time goal. Um, my goal was to run what I did my virtual Hartford half marathon last year, which was, you know, a 144. And I was like, you know, if I can do a 146, which was my uh, Hartford half the year before, um, which is, you know, the fall time is like kind of when I'm in the best condition, right? I, I put in some really hard, you know, training runs in the summertime and really worked on speed, um, looking at like my yearly training cycle and the fall races, usually I run the fastest. And, you know, so that was kind of in the ballpark. But so, yeah, when I saw the number on the clock, um, I was a little disappointed at first, but then when I compare it and I'm like, Hey, 146 in October on a 50 degree day, no humidity, uh, without headwinds, um, versus 148 with those conditions. Then, you know, after some time went by and I reflected a little bit more, I realized like, okay, I got to be proud with my effort. So I'm just sharing that with you guys because we can be hard on ourselves. We can be like the worst, right? Uh, as runners. And like, we're so like fixated in type A with like numbers and like, Hey, this is my goal. I got to hit it. And if I don't hit it, I'm a failure. And, you know, honestly that crossed my mind for a little bit. And then like, once I settled in and really reflected and thought about everything and, you know, knew that I still put the training in and, and, you know, fingers crossed, like, four weeks from now when I run the Hartford half and hopefully it is 50 something degrees, no humidity that I'll be able to perform better. And there's always another race. So if you just ran a race and you weren't happy with your result, you know, just think about, did you put the training in? Were you consistent? Because that is what is going to matter in the long-term and for your long-term health and your long-term success as a runner. So just some kind of race tips for those that are looking at the surf town, uh, half marathon. I highly recommend it. Um, the future, obviously, uh, weather, if it is a little cooler, it'd be even better race. But for the most part, the course definitely had some hills in it. So it wasn't like flat. I wouldn't say it was like flat course. Um, it definitely had some hills in there, but it was a very scenic course. It's a great little town there. And if you're ever looking to get a room, um, because it starts early 730 AM, there were rooms available. So I don't know if it was this year because of COVID and everything, um, but it's just good to know that you can get a room the last minute because I was a little surprised actually at how much was available and how many people weren't in town. Um, because like I said, I'm usually there in the summertime and not there in September, but it seems like it's after Labor Day and like there were a lot less people there. So if you're doing the race in the future, you can easily probably grab a room um, locally so you don't have to drive up so early uh, for the race. All right, so let's get into today's topic. We're talking ankle pain. We're talking pain on the inside of your ankle. And for those of you who are new, uh, maybe you're new listening to the podcast, um, we get a lot of new listeners every single month. I see the numbers. And if you're new in our Healthy Runner Facebook group, like we had a ton of new members just this past week, literally 120 people, right? Like 
joined our community. So you guys actually might not know who I am. And you're like, why is this guy talking with his medal on from his half marathon? And I think I'm going to keep the medal on the whole time. You guys okay with that? Uh, because I like to give a little celebration, right? We work so hard. Like we do this all the time. Why not like celebrate some victories, right? Celebrate some wins under our belt. So I am Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Um, I'm a physical therapist. I've specialized in physical therapy, sports medicine, orthopedics, went that whole kind of certification route, then went the academic route, research route, got a PhD, and then I decided to start my own business and started my own clinic, Spark Physical Therapy, and wanted to actually, my whole genesis of that was wanting to actually provide the care that runners deserved. And that has definitely evolved over the last four years. And actually, this is my first interview since we've, we just had our four-year anniversary um, last week, and I'm super grateful for that. And I'm also the founder of the Healthy Runner community that we have on Facebook, that we have the podcast. And you know, my goal is really, and the reason why I started the podcast was to share information like we're going to talk about tonight with you guys, the runners, because honestly, and I even just checked this before I hopped on here. If you Google like posterior tibial tendon dysfunction, tendonitis, you're going to see a lot of the same information. It's a lot of people who write website bloggers and they just find information on other sites and they just regurgitate it. Um, what I'm going to share with you today, you're not going to be able to find in a lot of places, but this is the actual care that you need and deserve to actually get rid of this pain and still stay running. So that's kind of my mission of the podcast. That is why I originally started it. We really started it talking about like just injuries in general, like how you stay healthy um, to prevent these injuries. And then the podcast evolved and, you know, I became a run coach myself and started doing more coaching. And now we talk about training nutrition, like within our healthy runner community, we have a registered dietitian, Brooke, um, who helps out, um, within our community as well as, um, with our coaching clients. So it's kind of evolved to be an all encompassing kind of health of the runner, but like what I'm doing tonight is really how this all started. And it's from my background as a physical therapist, um, and really looking at it as it's morphed as I become a run coach and how I work with runners now. So just to give you a little history in case you didn't know, so my background and where I'm coming from, because no, I'm not trying to, I see a lot of information out there from people, honestly, who aren't even medical professionals who are trying to diagnose and kind of teach, you know, the general public about this condition. So I'm very kind of passionate about this and, um, I'm looking forward to sharing this information with you so you can actually get over this condition and not have it, you know, either stop you from running or really curtail your running for a long time. And this can be frustrating, just like many of the injuries that we talked about on the podcast previously. This one is not as common as all of the heavy hitters, which have pretty much been covered on the podcast, whether it's shin splints, Achilles tendonitis plantar fasciitis, iliotibial band syndrome, IT band syndrome, or runner's knee. So those were are the most common running injuries. And all of those deep dives have been covered on the podcast before. I have eBooks that you can download, get the videos, the exercises of all of that stuff. So you can get that on my website, sparkyourtraining.com or programs forward slash sparkyourtraining.com. Get those free eBooks um, that will really help you out. But this was one that came up. Um, there were a couple of questions that we had in our Healthy Runner community, and people asked about um, posterior tibial tendonitis. So I figured this would be a good one to share with you. And honestly, a lot of the principles we're going to talk about in this episode apply to other tendon problems, whether it's hamstring tendon, Achilles tendon, or peroneal tendon, which is another not as common uh running related injury that you can get on the outside of the ankle. So it's really like the same principles, but these are going to apply to the inside. So why don't we start there actually, and start with a little bit of anatomy. So hopefully we're going to be able to see this foot and ankle with my uh, screen behind me, my virtual screen. There we go. Okay. So here is your foot. Here is your ankle. And this is the inside part of the foot. You're 
posterior tibial tendon wraps around the inside part of your ankle and goes right underneath here where my finger is. So it, it lines right in this area toward the inside part of your foot and your arch. So if you have symptoms of posterior tibial tendon pain, it's usually going to be either upper in the inner shin area or down on the inside part of your ankle or underneath the foot because that's where the tendon goes and that's where it runs. And what this tendon and muscle does is this actually points our foot down and in if our foot was off the ground, but we are runners. And most of the time when we uh, are during your day, you're walking. So you're weight bearing. And because you're weight bearing, what this tendon and muscle actually does is it slows down the rate of pronation. So the rate at which your foot actually flattens out. So if your foot is going from a, it's going to be a little hard to see. We land on the outside part of our foot when we run, and then we pronate. We go to the inside part of your foot. This tendon actually slows the rate at which we pronate down. So it's basically working with every single step that we take during our runs. And because of that, it can become overused. And this issue, this problem is basically a muscle and tendon problem that's due to overuse. Now, I want to make sure that I am clear here that it's not because you're running too much. So it doesn't mean that if you're running 30 miles per week, you're like, my body just can't handle 30 miles per week and I'm only a 20 mile per week runner. Or you're running 10 miles per week and you're like, this is too much. I am not a runner. Let me just pack it up, hit the elliptical and call it a day. It just means that your body is not ready for the demands of running. And it's your tendon that's telling you like, hey, things aren't ready to do this amount of load yet. So I just want to kind of be clear about that because you're going to find a lot of information out there. If you Google posterior tibial tendonitis, or if you go to a, a medical professional who maybe doesn't work with a lot of runners or doesn't work with a lot of athletes. And they might say to you that, well, it's because you're running. So maybe you should stop running for like two to four weeks, wait for the pain to go away and then try it again. If you've never corrected the root cause and why it started, then it's just going to come back again. And this is what we see. This is what I see commonly um, in really all of the runners that I um, work with is, you know, this is the common story that it keeps coming back and they're frustrated because they haven't addressed the root cause of what is going on here. So what is the cause of your pain? Like, why is this occurring? Um, you know, if you Google basically causes of posterior tibial tendonitis, like it will tell you basically it's more common in middle-aged females and definitely more common in those that are overweight. Um, we don't really know why people get it, right? There isn't like definitive research on why we get it, but I can pretty much tell you in running and runners, it's because your body is not ready for the demands and the load that it's having with running. So we're going to get into like, what are the treatment and what are the strategies that you can do to actually get this better? Or honestly, treatment winds up being prevention. So what are the things you can do now to actually prevent yourself from suffering from this pain? Um, you know, there are different stages of this um, condition. And some people call this posterior tibial tendon dysfunction or PTTD. And um, I think that's a little bit different, honestly, where the classic PTTD is versus what I see in the running population. So just talking through real quick, the stages are like four stages. The first stage is pain along the tendon, which is honestly most of you that would be listening to this, you're in stage one. Stage two is where the tendon actually elongates more and the arch flattens. 
where it's getting difficult for the tendon to actually function because of the how much pronation you have in the foot, how much you're actually, how much your foot is actually flattening. So that's kind of stage two. Stage three is where you get a partial rupture of the tendon or a, a full rupture. Stage four is like you have an, a, a rigid foot deformity where you're most likely not running if you're there, right? So that's not you guys. So I don't want you to get scared with this. And they talk about like a progression of this disease process. Um, it's basically an inflamed tendon. And if you don't correct it and it becomes chronically inflamed, it becomes degenerative and it starts to weaken essentially over time. And that weakening and stress chronically over time, if you're not correcting it and treating it leads to partial rupturing of the tendon, then full rupturing of the tendon. That's honestly the same for any tendon in your body. So that really doesn't change. I just think a lot of the information you find out there is like super scary. If you read it and you're like the layperson of like stage one through stage four, um, it's really going to depend upon your symptoms and how irritable your condition is and how irritable the tendon is. Um, so I want you to think about that as we talk about the treatment, it is going to be very similar to what we talked about in our Achilles tendon talks. So for those of you that missed that, that's going to be episode 60 and episode 61 on the podcast, um, where we really did a deep dive on why does your Achilles hurt? And then what's the treatment and the prevention for Achilles tendonitis? So the first question I actually want to, um, or the first myth I want to actually bust is, do you need surgery? So the answer to that is a quick no. 99% of the time, you do not need surgery for this pain, for this condition. Again, this is pain on the inside part of your ankle. So let's just take care of that right away. There really isn't a surgery to actually correct that. It would be like when it's ruptured and they're trying to reconstruct your actual foot. So let's not even think about surgery. There is no surgery. Now, will an injection work? So injections are one thing that some um, might you know, think about and be like, oh, well, if I just get an injection, then I'll take care of it. It'll treat it and it'll be good. Now, this usually is not the best thing because this is a muscle and tendon problem that is being overworked. So what an injection does is it might make you feel better in the short term because they're actually injecting a steroid right around that region. And it does decrease inflammation and it could decrease pain. So you feel better, but usually what happens is that individuals, once they feel better, go back to doing too much. If they haven't addressed the root causes of why it happened to begin with, then they're more likely to do more damage to the actual tendon. And then that can actually lead to rupturing of the tendon. So, and that's been backed up in the literature and the research. Same thing goes for like very similar to like tennis elbow. Um, you know, that's kind of the same situation where we don't really recommend injections and that individuals who actually do a specific kind of loading approach that we're going to talk about do better than those that get an injection. So now, now we've kind of, you know, handled those. So if you have this pain right now, you're listening to this, do you need surgery? Do you need an injection? The answer is really no. So who is the best person to go to on this? So I would say you do not need to go see an orthopedic surgeon, right? Um, for this condition, because what do they specialize in is surgeries and injections, right? Um, they're going to be able to tell you, okay, you have posterior tibial tendinopathy or tendinitis and go get some PT. So most of you who are listening to this, you can go see a physical therapist directly with direct access. Um, you don't need a script from a doctor. So go see your good local running sports physical therapist um, near you that will be able to help you with this um, because this is easily um, treatable condition. So let's talk about what will work generally speaking first, and then we'll get into the specific actionable strategies. Are you guys cool with that who are here on the live? Let me know if you guys are, are cool with that, if we can get into that. Um, so uh, thanks first off um, to uh, Wayne for jumping on here. Um, Brian says that sometimes he gets mild pain on the inside of the left um, foot at the bone area. 
So that could be there. And the other, you know, thing I do want to mention in terms of differential diagnosis is really going to be your plantar fasciitis. So if it's a little more under the heel, Brian, or toward the inside and the heel, then we're thinking more plantar fasciitis versus when we're really um, looking at the inside part of the ankle. So the things that are going to differentiate those two usually are going to be for plantar fasciitis, going to be pain first thing in the morning, first step out of bed, posterior tibial tendinopathy or tendinitis is really going to be more achiness feeling on the inside part of your ankle, usually increases with activity level, increases with your running, um, and it can be more in the shin area as well. So that's kind of the di differentiator. And uh, Wayne is asking, does swelling occur with this? And does it happen with shin splints? So absolutely, Wayne. So you can definitely get swelling on the inside part of your ankle where the tendon is located, where it kind of pops out. I'm so glad that you mentioned shin splint topic because in the deep dive shin splint episode, I talked about that shin splints could really be caused by two issues, really three anatomical um, issues. One is going to be the soft tissue connection to the bone itself. So right on the bone, like that bone pain, shin pain. The other is going to be your anterior tibialis muscle, which is located on the front of the shin, but on the outside. And then the third is the posterior tibialis muscle, which is located on the shin on the inside part like where your calf muscle is. So yes, this can give you shin splint type pain higher up. It doesn't have to be only at the ankle. So that's where the muscle is in the shin. And then the tendon, so tendons connect muscle to bone. The tendon is down located at the ankle and then goes into the bottom of the foot. So hopefully that kind of clarifies that for you. Let me take a quick pause from this amazing episode to share a really cool product that can help you stay safe while running. Knox Gear's signature product, the Tracer 360, keeps me safe and lit up from all directions during my 5.30 a.m. running, but now the days are getting longer and lighter here in the U.S., and I wanted to take a moment to share with you their amazing little Bluetooth speaker called the 39G because it weighs only 39 grams and is perfect for listening to podcasts like you are now or music during your run, also while keeping you in tune to your surroundings. I actually was fortunate enough to meet one of the creators of Knox Gear, Simon Curran, and Jamie Miles from Knox Gear as they shared Knox Gear's story and how they created their signature product using engineering principles. Pretty cool stuff and an interesting story to say the least. So I invite you to check out episode 43 on the Healthy Runner podcast to hear from the creator himself. Knox Gear is all about runner safety, and I am pumped to have them as a supporter of our healthy runner community, because in case you haven't realized, we are all about runner health and safety here. Running doesn't need to be painful, and it doesn't need to be risky and dangerous. Running should be that outlet providing us the mental clarity we all need to be the best human we can be to those around us, whether it's our family, our coworkers, or those in our communities. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order at noxgear.com to receive 35% off your purchase. Go ahead and give Noxgear a try. Trust me, you will never feel safer. Now let's get back into our episode. All right, so now let's talk about what will work. What is the treatment that is going to actually get rid of this pain? And so you can run. First, let's talk about modifying your training. So this is going to be, again, not stopping your running unless, unless you have high tissue irritability. What do I define high tissue irritability as? Your pain levels are a seven to 10 out of a 10 scale. You have pain constantly anytime you're weight bearing, just everyday activities, walking around the house, going up and down stairs, um, you have pain. That means your tissues are highly irritable. And then you may need to actually shut down running for a couple of days. Honestly, usually not more than a week. Um, again, it's going to be dependent upon your circumstances, right? So I don't want to 
you know, pretend I'm going to be treating each of you during this episode. I'm trying to provide you the best information to help you and guide you in kind of your decision-making and who to see. Um, but usually you don't have to stop running, definitely not for weeks. So again, if you've been told to stop running for four weeks while you're getting treatment, that is just old, outdated information that really um, was around when I started being a PT 18 years ago. Um, but we know better now, and there is better evidence out there to support you to actually stay running um, versus shutting you down completely for many, many weeks. Um, during this time, as you're modifying your training, what do I mean by that? Maybe decreasing your mileage, especially for your long runs. If you're doing speed work, maybe not doing intervals or not doing tempo runs for the short term. Potentially, you might need to do some cross training. So you might need to do some elliptical. You might need to do some biking, again, for the short term. So if you don't normally do elliptical and biking and swimming, um, I'm not saying you need to actually do that forever. And yes, I'm not saying biking, swimming is bad for you either. That can be good, but there are many runners who just don't like to do those things. I am one of them. I am a sinker, not a swimmer. And I can, I don't like being on a bike. And honestly, for me, it's, it takes too long to actually exercise and it's quite dangerous on the roads around here. So I am not a biker. So if you told me like, if I was going to bike, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, so short term, that could be helpful, um, to do some cross training, other things that can work compression socks, possibly especially if it's this achy feeling that you are feeling with your running. I found actually some relief with compression socks when I've had mild symptoms in the past. Shoes, inserts, orthotics, those may all be helpful either in the short term or potentially for you in the long term. That being said, as you strengthen your foot intrinsic muscles, the small muscles on the bottom of your feet, you should rely less on the stability in your sneakers and less on how much support you get with an insole. But we did a talk with victory insoles um, in our previous episodes, and we talked about the benefits of their insoles and carbon fiber. That might be something that actually can help take the stress off your tendon. Um, so Consider that soft tissue care. So this goes back to my kind of spark blueprint, the five principles, soft tissue care for runners, right? Like tip number four. For this condition, the soft tissue care that you can focus on, that you can do on day one, no matter how irritable this condition is and this tendon is, is really foam rolling, taking a rolling stick to the calf muscle, especially on the inside part, because that's where that posterior tibial uh, muscle kind of goes underneath the soleus there on the inside part of your lower leg, and then do active motion with it, do pointing and flexing. If you haven't seen my top five muscles to foam roll video on YouTube, the Spark Your Training YouTube uh, channel, if you're here on Facebook, just type it in. Um, I will do my best to drop that in the show notes on the podcast, um, how to actually foam roll the inside part of your uh, lower leg and do some active motion with it. You're going to find that a lot better than just leaving your foot uh, statically. The other thing is the plantar fascia. That might be helpful as well to roll that with a um, massage ball, the rolling uh, pins, any of those kind of foot rollers that you can get, as well as even stretching the plantar fascia. So I have exercises in how to stretch the plantar fascia on my YouTube channel as well. So you can check those out. Now let's talk about stretching. Stretching can be helpful if it is pain-free. What do we stretch for this condition? It's really going to be the calf muscle as well as the Achilles tendon. So the calf muscle connects to the Achilles tendon. If you are limited in your soft tissue length, then stretching can be helpful, but just make sure that it is pain-free. So again, depending upon your level of tissue irritability, you may be able to stretch right now. You may not be able to stretch. If it's highly irritable, you might not tolerate stretching. And if it's painful, don't do it because it's not a matter of like no pain, no gain for that. And if it is highly irritable, so that might be helpful as well as improving the mobility in your ankle joint. So we're talking about this 
kind of flexion of your ankle. If you are stiff in your ankle, then there's a way you can self-mobilize that. You can put a band on the front of your bone there. That's called your talus. You can get the band to go back and you actually in a kneeling position, bring your knee forward to self-mobilize it. If it is really locked up and it doesn't reduce with self-mobilization techniques, then go see a good manual-based running physical therapist in your local area. There are some quick techniques we could do to manipulate that ankle, to mobilize the ankle, and they are like super quick fixes. So for all of my virtual, you know, one-on-one run coaching clients, I often recommend when I pick up on some restriction in their ankle, I'm like, listen, let's go find a good local PT near you. And they see them, it's like a couple of sessions and they clear that up and they're good to go. So that's like kind of a quick fix. One of like the easiest things we do as like manual PTs um, that we can fix easily. So that might be helpful for you. And then really, this is going to be the key. And this is going to be honestly what is missing of most programs and what you don't see a lot of out there which is actually strengthening and loading the tendon as well as working, meaning strengthening your surrounding musculature. So what are the muscles that we need to focus on to actually strengthen? First is going to be your foot intrinsic muscles. We do that with what we call a short foot exercise or foot doming exercise. So I have a video for that, kind of the intrinsic muscles of your foot. How do we activate those and stabilize? The second And this is key to actually isolating this tendon out is loading the posterior tibial tendon. So there's a specific way that we can do this. We can actually start to load it with what we call isometrics, where you actually bring your feet together. You bring the soles of your feet together. We call it a soul to soul exercise. And you actually push the soles of your feet together and then you relax and you hold it for two to five seconds. We call this an isometric contraction. You're not moving your ankle aggressively through a lot of range of motion, but this is actually getting you to contract and add some load and stimulus to the tendon so the tendon can actually heal. And that is what we've learned, honestly, the last 10 to 15 years in the rehab world is we know that loading tendons actually helps them more than just not doing anything to tendons and resting and not running and not doing exercises and just doing passive treatments. So that's kind of key. The soul to soul exercise is a nice starter, but most of you, honestly, listening to this will be able to go right to what we call eccentrics only where you're doing the lengthening phase of the muscle. And we do this in a specific way. And I will definitely drop this exercise in the show notes. It's you cross your foot over. You're going to have a band around your foot. You're going to use your hands to lift your foot up, hold it for a second, and then slowly lower your foot down five seconds. Take five seconds. It's like a painful five seconds. You're like, not painful, meaning ankle pain. Painful because we're going to want to rush and we're not going to be patient enough to wait five seconds, but slowly lower it down. And that is actually loading your tendon, but it's not going to increase pain in that tendon. So we're not doing like harm to the tendon but we're loading it and stimulating it to allow it to heal. So there's a specific video I have on how you do that for this tendon on my YouTube channel. So I will drop that in the link um, below those on Facebook. Again, you guys just type in, you know, uh, tendon exercise and I'll know what tendon we're talking about. And I will drop that for you. And then we progress that to what we call concentrics, meaning we like actually point the foot down and in and get that tendon to contract, and then slowly lower it out. And then we progress that to weight-bearing exercises and calf strengthening, because this muscle is actually used when you do a calf raise. So if you've done a single leg calf raise and it's been painful, it might not necessarily be your Achilles or your calf muscle. It might be the posterior tibial tendon, especially if your pain is located on the inside part of your ankle and the inside part of your shin. If your pain is located over your big Achilles tendon that connects into your heel bone, then that's an Achilles tendon issue. All right. So hopefully that kind of clarifies uh, that for you as well. Um, What are some other, um, I talked about calf strength. And then the other big one that I don't see a lot uh, in recommendations and how you actually get rid of this, especially as a runner, because the biggest problem that I see is when I look at my runner's 
um, running form. And, you know, all my coaching clients, I have them video themselves of exactly how to take a video of you running. And we analyze that for those of you who really roll in, in this over pronator and you might've went to the running store and they're like, Oh, you're a big over pronator. I'm going to give you a stability shoe. And that's all correct. Um, but if you are rolling in a lot, sometimes it is because your hips are weak as well. And if you have this condition, remember how I said the posterior tibial tendon is our anti-pronation muscle. It slows down the rate at which we pronate and our foot flattens when we run. So if this muscle is weak, your posterior tibial tendon, your foot hits hard. It slaps down hard. It's like a violent pronation. When I see it in video in real time, it's like, boom, 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 as opposed to the control. And sometimes it's not only a matter of strengthening this tendon, as we talked about loading it to improve that control, but it's also looking above and looking up at the hip muscles because there is a hip muscle that is your anti-pronation muscle at the hip. So I'm kind of curious here, those of you who are here live, like most of you guys who are here, like I recognize all of your names and you guys have listened to many, many uh, episodes before. Does anyone want to take a stab at uh, what is our anti-pronation muscle at the hip? Which hip muscle? How about this? I'll give you like options. All right. Ready? Hip flexors, hip abductors, so your side hip muscles your hip external rotators, or your glutes, like your glute max, four options. It's like A, B, C, or D. So is it A, hip flexors, B, hip abductors, C, hip external rotators, or D, your glutes, your, your big meaty muscle back there, the glute max. All right. I'm kind of curious. This is going to be uh, interesting. I'm going to, I'm just going to wait here um, and pause for a second. And as I'm waiting for your answers to come in, can you guys also do me a favor? And if you have any questions um, for me at all, like feel free to drop them in the comment box. And I see a couple of people want the exercises I've talked about. Once I get off um, this, I will definitely drop you those exercises and get those to you. Um, so Let's uh, wait for a couple more answers to come in. This is good. This is like a little quiz. It's like the healthy runner pop quiz. Be like, how well have you been paying attention to previous episodes? And this is going to be a no judgment zone because I understand this one is going to be um, a challenging one for you. So, and this is good because I am seeing some of these answers coming in. And I think this is a really good, uh, this is a good topic to talk about. All right, so let's get let's get uh, through some of these answers here. So we have an answer of the glute need. Um, so that would have been choice B. Then we have D. We have glutes. So D, D, D. Everyone's saying glutes, glutes, right? The big powerhouse muscle. So we got a lot of D's there. We got a lot of uh, glutes and glute max. And um, so the the glutes actually are our hip extensors. So they actually help us extend our hip and they really help us go up hills when we run. Um, they're the powerhouse muscle. We use glutes a lot when you squat, when you get up from a chair, when you get up from the floor. Um, however, the glute max actually does not control any pronation because basically this muscle works in what we call the sagittal plane. So it's like when we flex our hip, when we do a lunge, a squat. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. It doesn't work rotation. So when we pronate, our foot goes down and the muscle that controls that is actually the hip external rotators. And that's like, I feel like my biggest claim to fame. Like when I go on all these other running podcasts and we talk about, you know, exercises, because everyone wants to know, like, what are the best exercises runners should do, right? Exercises that runners aren't doing that are in the Spark Blueprint. If you guys remember, one of the more important running muscles I mentioned Besides the abductors. So I do got to give a shout out um, to Wayne here. Wayne, it's like Dwayne without the D, right? Wayne, we were thinking the same wavelength here. Uh, the glute need is a great second choice answer because when the pelvis drops when you're running, if you have weakness of the glute need, that can lead to overpronation. However, the better answer, I feel like um, this is like one of my exams for my PT students, the better answer would be the hip external rotators. 
And those are your muscles deep in your butt underneath the glute max. And that's what you guys probably commonly know as the piriformis muscle. So the piriformis muscle is your hip external rotator muscle. That muscle up at our hips control our femur bone. So your long leg bone from rolling in. When that rolls in, if you had weakness in your piriformis and your external rotators, your long leg bone rolls in and then everything below it goes with it. So that's where you're going to see your shin bone rolls in, your foot and ankle roll in, and you get that overpronation. So if we can strengthen the hip external rotators, then that can decrease the stress to your posterior tibial tendon and how much work it needs to do when you're running. So hopefully that makes sense to you. And it's really a matter of addressing both of those areas, strengthening that posterior tibial tendon and strengthening the hip external rotators. How do we do that? The, the kind of starter exercise, if you will, it's in the spark blueprint. It's the activation. How do we activate your external rotators? It's the clamshell exercise. So then there's progressions that you can do clamshell with the mini band. You can do a side plank with a clamshell, right? And then you have to progress that to actually standing and doing some, I, my standing progression, these are basically custom exercises. I, in, I want to say invented because I tried them out in the gym myself and said, how, Hey, when do I feel my uh, external rotators kicking in? And I do my external rotator standing activation exercises every Monday workout in the gym. Um, so those are the taps and circles where you do a standing clamshell. And I have standing progressions of how to do that um, on my YouTube channel as well. Um, if you want those, again, just drop it in you know, the comment box, but you need to strengthen your external rotators. So the bodybuilders, the crossfitters don't need to focus on their external rotators. They're not doing a lot of single leg activities. You as a runner are always standing on one leg when you run and you need the control of that pronation motion because you're on one leg, your leg is going to rotate in. So your external rotators need to be that much stronger than someone who's not a runner. That's going to help decrease stress to your posterior tibial tendon. So I know that was a pretty lengthy explanation, but hopefully it makes sense for you and it makes sense why we would actually strengthen this muscle. So those are the things that are going to work. Now, let me just get into a little bit more detail on the whole kind of rationale. And I got a lot of comments on this after the Achilles episode, because I know it, it was information on what were things that um, you've been told before and how it's been like the opposite of what you're going to Google out there. And again, I feel very strongly about this because I've actually done this and implemented this with my patients and then with my coaching clients um, for years, the acronym guiding management of tendonitis has been ice. And then it was rice. So you would rest it, ice it, compress it, elevate it, right? That was what was known Recently, there has been some research that has shown um, some new ways to look at this. And this was the acronyms that, you know, I did not make this up. This is published in the BJSM, um, so the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And they talk about using the acronym PEACE in the acute phase. So PEACE standing for P, protection. So actually avoiding the activities and movements that increase pain during the first few days after injury. So again, if the pain just started yesterday, let's say, this is where we're going to avoid either running if your tissue irritability is high or we modify. So that's where the modifying comes into play. Elevation. You can elevate above heart level as often as possible, just like I was elevating yesterday after my race um, to help just some recovery wise. Avoid. A in peace actually stands for avoid anti-inflammatories. So I'm not going to lie, this is somewhat controversial, and you'll still see many people recommending anti-inflammatories. Um, but just so you know, there is going to be probably more on this in the next couple of years that you're going to be hearing about um, that anti-inflammatories may not be the best thing um, in, in the management. And for here, that's where I'm going to say maybe, because as they 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 have been shown that it could reduce tissue healing. So 
you might want to actually avoid anti-inflammatories, but you might want it to, it, for those that do take it, I usually recommend like literally no more than three days. There's no reason you should be taking anti-inflammatories for weeks because that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever in terms of how our tissues heal. Um, C in P stands for compression. So you can do elastic bandage. You can use taping. Here's where I've done like kinesio taping before or rock tape, um, K-tape. Um, over the posterior tibial tendon, so a uh, specific technique, or honestly use your compression socks. Um, that can actually help out. And then the E in P stands for education, avoiding unnecessary passive treatments and other things that are gonna really limit your healing. So that is how we manage it in the acute phase, right? So like right after your injury. And then really how you manage it in, you know, maybe five days to weeks after that and months after that is we use the acronym LOVE. So we got to give it some love, right? So we got the L, which stands for load. And that's what I just talked about before is loading the tendon, right? And this is like the biggest thing is we need to strengthen the tendon. And we load it by doing isometrics first, as I mentioned, soul to soul exercise. Then the eccentrics, the slow lowering, five second lowering. And then we progress it to concentrics and we progress it to weight bearing and we can change the resistance. We can continue to load it. And that stimulates collagen formation and aids in the healing process. I cannot stress that enough. It's like amazing how simple it is to actually add this exercise in and you actually see a reduction in pain and you start moving in the right direction. If you're taking this advice and you're actually increasing your symptoms and your pain's getting worse, that means you're adding too much load and your body might not be ready for it. So then again, I would seek out a medical professional to determine what stage you're in, okay? But the load is something that's often missed and not done soon enough. And it can be done early to actually keep you running. The O in love stands for optimism. And this is really knowing that you know, we need to condition your brain for optimal recovery um, by being confident and positive that this will get better. This posterior tibial tendon pain does get better. There are simple strategies, like it will get better and you need to tell yourself it will get better as long as you put the work in and you do the things that we're talking about in this episode. V is gonna stand for vascularization. So we really wanna think about what are the exercises, the cardiovascular exercises that we can do at this point that keep our pain levels below a three out of 10? For most of you, it can be an easy run, which is gonna do that. So again, I highly recommend you stay running. Don't lose your running fitness as long as your pain levels are below a three out of 10. For some of you, it might be walking and that might keep your pain levels down. For others, it might be doing the elliptical for a little bit, as we mentioned before. This all is going to actually stimulate blood flow and stimulate repairing of your tissues, specifically the posterior tibial tendon. And then E in love stands for exercises where we restore mobility, strength, proprioception, so balance, right? So standing on one leg exercise, neuromuscular control exercises. So this is all of our single leg strengthening for running. This is where the hip exercises come into play where strengthening your hip muscles is actually going to help take stress off the tendon. So treating the whole runner, your whole body, that is what is going to be the key. So basically we're following peace and love, right? Who doesn't like a little peace and love? Don't we need more peace and love in the world today, guys? Come on. Does anyone agree with me? Oh my goodness, right? We can all use some peace and love. Um, I just wish we had more of it going around the world nowadays. Um, and I think that was definitely in my reflective thoughts um, during this 20-year anniversary of 9-11 uh, myself. So yeah, let's spread a little peace and love in how we treat uh, each other and how we treat our posterior uh, tibial tendonitis. So I will drop the reference for that paper, by the way, in BJSM like I did in the Achilles episode, because I think it's a good one for you guys to see and how we really view these tendon issues. So let's get to the final stretch, guys, is how we end all of our episodes. And I'm going to share with you the really misconception um, I see and I believe in 
um, running through posterior tibial tendon pain, tendon dysfunction, tendonitis, tendinosis, whatever we want to call it. It's all the same thing. It's just, you're going to hear people calling it different things and how you recover is honestly, really what I share with you on most running injuries is you don't need to stop running. If you do, it should be for a short period of time. And we need to load the tendon. That is the key to you getting better is actually adding the stimulus to load the tendon and getting the strategies and the proper structure and the guidance on how to do that. So really recapping what we covered today is pain on the inside of your ankle, inside of your shin, or even into the bottom of your arch area. And, you know, you most likely are an overpronator. You have flatter arches. You might've been told you're an overpronator before. You might be wearing orthotics or you might need orthotics. And we really shared with you the things that don't really work, which there is no surgery for this, like we talked about. Injections really don't work for this. And not babying the condition, meaning stop running, rest it, ice it, just don't do the activity you love. That's not going to get it better. Most of your family members will probably tell you, like, why are you going out for your run? You told me your foot hurts, your ankle. Like literally my wife says that to me like every time I injure something. And she's like, you're, you're ridiculous. Like, why are you going out to run? I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is actually going to heal, right? Um, so contrary to like the advice your family members are going to give you, it's like, oh, it's because you're always running. That's why you're getting this pain. That's not why. You need to get down to the root cause of what is causing it and then actually do the treatments and the strategies that will actually get it better. So that's kind of my misconception and to kind of summarize on uh, what we recapped and talked about today. So let me just double check. I wanna make sure that there were no specific questions. Um, Coach Latoya, thanks for jumping on here. I appreciate you. Um, so Gene actually says, makes sense. And I actually regressed the clamshell to the floor because I wasn't sure I was feeling um it worked and then i'll work my way back awesome yes absolutely gene it's very common and that's why i never actually give those standing progressions to someone who's never used their hip external rotators before because you need to find the muscles it's all about that mind muscle connection if you can't activate and find the muscles first and use them in standing then the standing exercises are no good and that's what again another common mistake i see in many people who are doing strength training is you might not be activating your run specific muscles when you're doing your strength training because you have muscle imbalances and you don't know how to home into either the side hip muscles, the glute medius, or the hip external rotators. And you're not using them when you squat, when you do a deadlift, when you do a lunge. All right, um, you cut out, uh, but is ice a part of this? Yeah. So Wayne, ice is more, again, it, it's, it's a change in ice is a little controversial in some of the recent literature. Um, there really is no evidence. And there's actually been a lot of studies done on icing and cryotherapy that it actually reduces inflammation. I know it's been a long staple of like recommended. And the only instance what I would recommend you icing is like, literally you went for a run today or yesterday, you started feeling pain on the inside part of your ankle. It's now painful to walk. You see some swelling. I would say, go ahead and ice it probably for a day or two. But like if the pain has been going on for days, weeks, months, ice is not going to get it better. Um, ice may feel good because it numbs the area. So it can offer pain relief, but it really, there is no evidence that it shows it reduces swelling. So unless there's something out there that I haven't seen, but that has been the latest evidence that I've heard is that there is no actual evidence that it reduces swelling. So even when we teach our PT students, um, it is about pain reduction and it reduces pain because it numbs the area. So now our brains can't perceive pain because it's numb. Um, but again, it's not going to treat the long-term uh, problem, if that makes sense. Um, so hopefully that makes sense to you. And if you guys are listening to this and you've made it through the whole training, first off, kudos to you, um, because 
studies show like only 5% of people actually watch like videos all the way through. Um, I'm sure that's a little better on a podcast and when you're running and I'm hopefully keeping you entertained somehow and uh, maintaining some knowledge and you're learning something new during your run. And if you are running, like kudos to you, like you're getting after it. I love it. Um, but if you're kind of struggling with this inside of the ankle foot pain, you've been told that, you know, maybe you're just not meant to be a runner and you're starting to think that yourself and you know, you're really thinking you shouldn't be running a half marathon. And if you're struggling with this pain and you want to run a marathon, you want to run a half marathon and you've been told to stop running, like that's exactly what I specialize in, in getting runners back to crushing their race. So you can officially kind of spark back in shape and, you know, get your running fitness back. And I do that all through my one-on-one coaching program, um, where I'm your physical therapist, run coach, and your accountability partner collapsing time for you and providing you the strategies that it took me 18 years, honestly, to learn through my own personal running injury history as I became an adult onset runner and then helping runners just like you all of the time. And we actually talked about um, one of our, our uh, coaching clients in the last episode um, with Lisa, and she talked about how she overcame her Achilles pain. Um, but this posterior tibial pain, I've helped many runners with as well. And it's just so gratifying because I actually just got off coaching call with one of my clients before we hopped on here today. And again, it was similar aches and pains, similar situation, never has run more than a 10K distance. And now she's running 10 mile long run. She's set up to run a half marathon in three weeks that she thought she would never be able to do. So again, if this is you and you've thought to yourself like, hey, I can never do a half marathon, like my ankle is hurting me. My foot is hurting me all the time. And like, you've been to the doctor, you've been to a traditional medical system, you've been to PT even, um, and you're still having pain and you're still not able to run. That's really what I specialize in helping runners do. So if you think that's a good fit for you, like I'll be happy to jump on a strategy call with you um, and be able to see if you're a good fit for how I help runners be able to crush their running goals and become a lifelong injury-free runner because that is what I am passionate about. So I will actually drop the link, honestly, right to my calendar in the show notes of this episode. And you know, if you're ready to invest in your health and be able to take the next steps to being able to overcome this pain and actually be able to run and be able to hit your running goal, then you can jump right on my calendar and grab a slot and we'll hop on a call and see if you're a good fit. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate all of you in this community and in this community, I mean, not only the Facebook community, but honestly, the podcast, because I know there's so many of you listening to the podcast, over 2000 of you listen to each and every episode, which I just find amazing. And I'm so grateful for, and you're probably not even in Connecticut. You might not even be in the United States and you're listening to this. And hopefully this is helpful for you. And I just appreciate you. So if you guys have been listening to previous episodes and you found anything that I say helpful. The only thing I ask for you, like this is a free podcast, right? Like I just took an hour out of my time to educate you guys and provide you the knowledge. If one thing you could do for me, honestly, is just go to Apple Podcasts, go to the podcast in um, Apple Podcasts and pull up Healthy Runner, scroll down, rate it, like give it how many stars you think I deserve and we deserve. Um, who put on this production for you and, you know, just drop a comment, you know, drop a comment on what you like best about the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it um, because I greatly appreciate you guys. And I want to keep doing this for as long as I can do it and be able to help more runners be able to stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Thank you so much, guys. Make it a great day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast. Can I please ask you for a couple of favors? Can you subscribe to The Sucker wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever so you never miss another episode? You'll be notified when a new episode drops every Thursday. Can you also please leave me a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts? What I want you to do is to tell them how awesome you are as a runner and then tell them what you have liked most about the show. I love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them and it means a lot to me. 
If you haven't seen the video version of this podcast, then head over to youtube.com forward slash spark your training. And you can see the video version as well as our full video library of exercises that are specific to your running on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel. Also, if you like the content in this podcast, then you will like the community even better. Head over to our Healthy Runner free Facebook group so you can get all the bonus content, blog articles, and get your questions answered by myself and our team of Healthy Runner coaches. The fifth and final thing I want you to do is that you can help this podcast out by taking a screenshot wherever you're listening, whatever episode, and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me. That is at SparkYourTraining. If you do this, I'll give you a shout out and repost it, sharing your running wins while listening to the podcast. More importantly, we'll be able to share this information with a lot more runners because that is the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of as many runners as possible to help them stay healthy so they can stay on the road doing what they love. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, and tag me in it. You can also find out how I help runners as well as our brand new Healthy Runner Strength Program by visiting our website, sparkyourtraining.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I just love our Healthy Runner family. And remember, guys, let's stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Until next time.